0: Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this segment of Next on the Tee, featuring our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom and I get way into Oak Hill Country Club and his experiences playing there. We also talk about anger management issues on the golf course and what solved it for him. Plus, we also talk about Bill Strasbaugh, who was a mentor for Tom for many years. Hear those stories and much more in this segment. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for all of your wonderful support. Enjoy the segment. I want to start out tonight by reminding you about our friends at the McLemore, which is a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole, as a matter of fact, is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction, which will open summer of 2024. The Outpost is another Bill Bergen-Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled with a goffle. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both the course and the hotel have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at taylormadegolf.com. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me just like he is every other week all season long is our resident director of instruction Tom Patry. With the hot weather and afternoon thunderstorms already a daily issue down there in Florida, Tom has moved indoors to club champion down in Naples, Florida. So go there and learn from the best. And you can do it indoors this summer with Tom in Naples. And if you can't get there for whatever reason, well, then download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of a golf swing through that app. You can find him online at TomPatry.com or on Instagram at TomPatryGolf. And like I always say, don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch over 300 free video lessons that are going to help you play your best golf this season. And we are certainly privileged to have him back with us again this week here on Next on the T. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? Chrissy boy! <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. How are you, TP? Yeah.
1: Christy, I'm uh, I'm in our home in Key West, Florida. Wow. Just come, from, just come from a friend's house where we made a little brick oven pizza and had a couple of margaritas so you got me all primed up here. Um, you spent That's the day good, the, you spent the day out on the boat on the water. It was spectacular. Wow. I am uh, recharging my batteries to do battle for the summer season.
0: Good for you, my friend. It doesn't seem like it could get any better. It's always good to be Tom Patrick, but even particularly now this week.
1: It's good it's good to be Tom Patrick married to Mrs. Patrick, what it really is. <laughs> That's what it really is. Exactly. God bless Denise. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Tom, before we get into all the golf news of the week, when last we left you, you were about to do your annual marathon golf holes event to raise money for local charities. Update us on how many holes you played and how that went.
1: Actually, Chris, it's the South Florida PGA Foundation, which has become a very um, special, dear thing to me. Uh, the The foundation uh, embraces I think seven or eight different charities uh to raise money uh for different charities in the South Florida area, both on the east and west coast uh, I've been doing it now this is my seventh season doing it, and I do it in the form of a golf marathon where people pledge either by the hole or a flat donation and this year, I played a mere one hundred and fifty holes.
0: oh my, a hundred and fifty holes. How long did it take well we, we teed off at um
1: 7 15 a.m. and we wrapped it up at 6 15 p.m. My driver, Meredith Schuler, who's the assistant executive director of the South Florida PGA, is my driver every year. And and really, Chris, to be honest with you, we really do, we don't really rush. I mean, we just she drives, I get out and I hit it, and she drives, I get out and I hit it. And it, it, it's really, I don't feel rushed at all. And Meredith lives on the east coast where our headquarters is, are located. And she has a couple of young children. She had to get back home. And I, I told her when we finished I had I think I had nine more good holes in me. And and she and she bailed out on me. Um, oh my. Yeah. So I, I think I, I'm going for 160 next year. I'll go for 160. So if anybody out there uh feels charitable and feels like giving back to the game, it's a great way to give back. We uh the the foundation does tremendous work in the South Florida area for, like I said, seven or eight different charities. Um uh, a veterans charity, a uh, children's hospital, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, it goes on and on. It's it's really really special, and, uh, and I, I enjoy doing it. And and, and 150 holes, it's, it's like it's like half a day. It's only 12 hours, half a day. You no, know, it's uh, it's not a
0: <laughs> <laughs> How long was the hospital stay afterwards? When did you get no, out? Thursday, no, I, Friday.
1: I, I, I you know what's really crazy about it? About <laughs> about a week before <laughs> my my date to do this, I, I was scheduled every year. I um. I had, I had a hip pointer and my left hip was killing me. and, and Meredith tried to get me to change the date and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, just, uh, some, some very good drugs and, um, and a lot of perseverance and the Italian DNA and what we went. So we did fine. We did fine.
0: All right. So, so let's change gears. I mean, kudos to you, by the way, for, for all you're doing for charity and, thank and for the thank game you, of golf. So that's huge month. Thank you. It's PGA Championship Week, Tom, and, and, and I hear the weather up in Rochester, New York this week. is It's going to be a balmy 36 Wednesday morning. They had a frost delay on Monday for the practice round. May have one again on Thursday morning before they can actually get the tournament kicked off. The low on Sunday is forecasted to be 46. Boy, Tom, I'd, ha- I'd hate to be the guys with the early tee time on Thursday.
1: No, they, well, they just got a new shipment of copper tone in and, and sunglasses and, 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 and sun, and sun umbrellas, um, you know, you know, as a PGA member, there are certain things that my organization that is very dear to me does that just baffle me. And, and when they had the schedule change or they even negotiated schedule change, whoever thought it was a good idea to, um, move the PGA championship to may in the Northeast, um, just, it it just it just baffles me beyond beyond belief i mean you know i and i understand that these venues are are set and contracts are signed years and years in advance for majors but once they made the schedule change why uh the powers to be didn't sit down with the powers to be at at oak hill and say guys I, this could be this could potentially could be a disaster i mean it it snowed in, it snowed in Rochester four weeks ago um and not not only that, but the amount of pressure you're putting on your staff, um, you're putting on your your green superintendent, and and the possibility of an of an embarrassing situation to the host facility, which you never want to do, obviously, um, is enormous. So why not say to him, listen, why don't we why don't we trade this out for a later Ryder Cup, or why don't we trade it out for some kind of special event, or do something? But we you know we can't take the risk. And and you know by the way. I think in two years, it's at Aronomic in Philly in May, which again, could be, could be dicey. You know, if you get a bad winter or you get a late, you get a late season storm or something. It it just, it's just, um, I hope it, I hope it works out. I hope all is good. I hope everybody doesn't nobody has any egg on their face, but, um, there's some potential there.
0: (laughs) Well, to your point, right. I mean, I love Northeast golf. I mean, I love Michigan golf. But it would seem like if you're going to put a major in one of those cities or one of those golf courses, maybe a U.S. Open. I mean, it's not the U.S. Open's been played there several times at Oak Hill. Seems like that would be a, a U.S. Open venue, not a PGA Championship venue when it's in in early early parts of uh, of May. It just well, seems at- like the the thinking would be let Let's let the Northeast and the northern places have the have the U.S. Open if we're going to play it in a colder weather. One, let's play it a little later in the year. There are other places we can hold the PGA.
1: Again, you're talking about two separate organizations: the PGA of America and the United States Golf Association, and not the PGA Tour in either case. So you're getting different different organizations vying for different venues. um And again, Chris, this all happened because of a cha- you know a change in schedule that was dictated pretty much by the PGA Tour, and you know PGA of America and the USGA. And the PJ tour don't always see eye to eye. Um so you know, somebody decided it was a good idea to put you know, put the PJ in May in the schedule and PJ of America agreed to it. Um again, baffles me. Um but you know and, and that ties into I something else you and know I talked about off the air about do I, do I like the new schedule and do I like the majors all being played, boom, 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 right in a row. And I'm not a big fan of it. I I, I liked when they were you know, I like when the Masters was in April and, you know, June came along. And we we had the U.S. Open and then you know, July came along. And we went to the Open Championship overseas and we rounded out the season with the PGA Championship last in August to, you know, to create some drama and, and extend the season as you will. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things I think that, you know, there, there's some holes in, 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 in the carpeting here, you know, and nobody really, uh, I don't think we've really thought this through all the way. Can you imagine, can you imagine if it had been a really bad, bad, bad winter, which by the way, 70 miles away in Buffalo, we know what happened there this winter. Right. Okay. If that winter had been shifted 70 miles to the other direction to, you know, Rochester and, and if they had a bad storm this past week or so, or a late storm,
0: what would be going on right now?
1: The, you know, the possibility was really there, you know, in the Northeast.
0: So, away from the weather, let's talk about the golf course. What do you think the keys are to winning up there at Oak Hill?
1: Well, Oak Hill's a tremendous golf course. I mean it, it's well documented. The championships have been played there in the past, the scores have been shot and not shot at that venue. Um, you know, it, it's you know it's a Donald Ross original, which we, we have and, you know quite frankly, it's not really a Donald Ross original anymore because there's a lot of people who had their hands on it, uh, most notably recently with Andrew Green. But uh, it's a phenomenal golf course. It's a it's a very 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 good driving golf course. A par seventy. It's going to play close to seventy four hundred yards. Just to give you a comparison about golf courses, Beth Page Black is a par seventy that played about seventy four hundred yards. and We know how tough that was. Um, this is a uh, if if not as good a better driving golf course than Black possibly. Um, it's a very well designed, very strategic golf course and it looks like they've, they've got some serious uh, rough growing in, and um, and you're not going to really be able to advance the golf ball very far out of that rough. So you're going to have to drive the ball in play. I think the key is getting the golf ball in play, and then, and then the redesign has has opened up some new pin positions. So if you played there in the past the a major, you're not really seeing the same golf course. Uh, so it's going to be new to everybody, basically. And we know when guys see the golf course for the first time, Kind of like that pitcher scene, the, the lineup for the first time. He does pretty good that first time around, but the second time around, they kind of figure him out. Well, these guys don't have a second time around in this new redesign, so this is going to be a first time situation for a lot of eyes on that golf course. I think it's going to hold up very well, uh, and with those temperatures that you mentioned, um, it, it could be uh, it could be really interesting. I, I don't think, you know, if if it stays, the forecast stays the way it is, and the golf course plays the way it can play. I don't think you're going to see anybody get to double digits.
0: So let's, let's take all of this a a step further because I took a peek at the, uh, the tea times for Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. First group out, Sean McKeel, Steven Alker, and Braden static. So we got two guys from the champions tour that are uh, of the first three out on the golf course, putting the older guys out first seems a little cruel to me, Tom.
1: Well, Sean McKeel, who who actually won a PJ there um and never won anything else really um uh you know the sacrificial lamb if you will and then Alker who's a you know great great senior tour player and still has decent length and I wouldn't be surprised if Alker who's a grinder and a really fine striker of the golf ball I wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't shock me if Al- Alker made the cut um but 7 a.m. on Thursday morning on that golf course in that temperature. Uh, I'll take a pass on that. i I'm gonna stay home and stand, stand, stand to the covers, and maybe turn the TV on and watch it from my from my Betty Butt.
0: Let's <laughs> switch gears a little bit. And the last time we heard from Rory McElroy, he was taking a mental oh break following oh missing the cut at the Masters. And he's gone from finishing tight for second at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and finishing third at the match play to missing the cut at the Players, missing the cut at the Masters, finishing 47th at Quail Hollow. Now, he's a member at Oak Hill and his wife is from Rochester, but do you think Rory can jumpstart it and get back and and be a competitive player this week, find himself at the top of a leaderboard, or is that too much to expect after his uh, latest run that's been a little less than great? That's a great question, Christian. I
1: mean, you know, who knows? I Rory McIlroy to me is an enigma. I just don't understand Rory. Um, I don't understand some of the decisions he makes, and I don't understand how somebody as talented as he is. I and mean, he is so, so talented. Um, goes to these extreme peaks and valleys in his game. I mean, he, he's just like a roller coaster. I mean, uh, it's a great golf swing disguised as John Daly. Um, I, I I don't understand it. I, I don't understand how he how he go, how he just goes from one extreme to the other. I mean, you you would you look at him on the range hitting golf balls. You bet on him every every single week. I mean, that just is 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 as good a golf motion as you're ever going to see. And he obviously hit all the shots. We've we've seen him putt good. We've seen him putt horrible. Um, it's just it's just you just it's like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Um, I don't think the relevance of his wife being from there and him being a member has anything to do with anything. Uh, I think I saw an interview with him yesterday and he really alluded to the fact that even though he's a member there, whatever that means, whether it's honorary, I don't know what the status is, but he hasn't played that many rounds of golf there outside tournament golf. Um, So I don't think that's an advantage at all. Uh, I quite frankly don't know who's going to show up as Rory Rory McIlroy's body
0: from week to week. Tom, um, speaking of of mental health, when you and I were talking a few days ago, you shared a story about what solved your anger management issues on the <laughs> golf course, a, a video that I'd love to find somewhere on YouTube or anywhere else. How did Tom Patrick once end up on the local news? Oh,
1: you're going to do this to me, are you? Okay, you, you, you got it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. So when I in my playing days, and I can't remember whether it was the Iowa Open or the Sioux City Open. Now, for people listening out there, um This is long before there was a Corn Ferry tour, a nationwide door, Ben Hogan tour. Matter of fact, just before that. And you had to find these independent events to play in. And I, I, again, I can't remember whether it was the Iowa Open or the Sioux City Open. It was one of those two. And those events were big time local events that people came out and supported. it And local high school kids caddied, and the whole community got behind it. And the local news station came out. So t- t- young Tom Patrick had a bit of a temper. And um, and you know we can't see ourselves so i i had i had an episode during the first round of the tournament um that i thought nothing of really and and uh went on and finished the round and that night i was in my room after dinner and i i turned on the local news and i was kind of laying in bed reading and the sports came on the little sports came on and they said you know today at the i the Sioux City Open there was there was quite an event and i looked up at the screen and they had videoed me Having this episode, and we'll just say that it wasn't pretty um, <laughs> at all. And you know, you can't see yourself, so you don't. You, know, you don't when you're making a complete ass out of yourself, and you don't know what it looks like. You don't think anything of it. But when you see yourself on TV, <laughs> on a news broadcast, a sports broadcast, making a complete and utter buffoon of yourself, and it goes on for thirty seconds. And you're thinking, who else is watching this? Can I turn every TV set in America off right now? Please don't let anybody see this. So, of course, it goes off. And I think to myself, oh, my God, I can't believe that's what I look like. And, of course, the next day you go out to warm up for the second round and all your buddies are out there warming up for the second round. And they're like, hey, you saw you on TV last <laughs> night. Hey, nice job. Nice job. And that instantly, instantly cured my anger management problems right there because it looked, I looked like a complete and utter ass. <laughs> and, and I tell that story to my juniors now when they have their little episodes at times. And sometimes during playing lessons, if I have a student you know, either whether it's a junior or, or an adult having an episode, I'll get the, I'll get the iPhone out and I'll film them doing it. And then after the playing lesson ends, I'll say, Hey, I want to show you something. And, and they, they have the same reaction I had. They're horrified. You know, they'll, you know, and if that doesn't solve your problem, I don't, I don't know what will. But I, I didn't. It, it wasn't. It was not a pretty, pretty picture of Tom Patry at all.
0: <laughs> you also learned a life lesson one year when you missed qualifying for the Open Championship at Turnberry. What happened there?
1: Oh, that was that's that. Uh, you're you're doing this all to me in one night, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mad that my Yankees are winning their game tonight? What are you What are you doing? That's a, that's actually a, a, a an incredibly sad story still every time i tell it now and because we're going back now I, I, what year was that open to turnberry I mean, what, what year was the first open to turnberry i gotta think about this for a second it had to be it in
0: 18 something
1: stop stop <laughs> it, it was in the middle 80s somewhere Anyway, anyway so i i was playing in the final qualifying uh for the open championship at a place called glasgow gale which is not too far from turnberry where it was being held and uh 36 holes in one day, and the weather wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. It was a little dicey. And I remember playing, I played relatively well in the morning, a couple under, and the scores were not very low. And I went out in the afternoon, I was playing quite well. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you got to shoot a good score to get into this thing. There weren't that many spots available. And I got to the very last hole. And of course, back then, there's no scoreboards at a qualifying event. So you don't really know exactly how you stand. You've seen the 18 hole scores when you finished your first 18, but you don't really know for sure but i felt like i was really close um, i drove it right down the middle on 18 and, and uh, i remember i had a 6 iron into a green and the green was kind of a diagonal green from front right to back left with a face bunker along the front of the green and the pin was tucked over that bunker in the back left corner of the green and i was under the impression through some poor mathematics that i thought i needed the birdie to qualify and i had a yardage and i hit a shot and i hit it very very well hit it right in the middle of the face and i was kind of posing thinking this thing was coming right down the flag stick. And the flag was just cut a yard or two over this bunker really close. And I'm thinking I just, just stuffed it in there, just flagged it. And the ball comes down and the plugs in the top lip of the bunker. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, I felt like just the, the just a the blood rush out of my body. We walked up there and it was, it was pretty bad. And I tried to hit it and it came back in the bunker. I knocked it out about five or six feet. and I missed it and made double. And I got in, and I didn't need Birdie at all. I needed just Bogey to qualify. Wow. And missed by a shot. And um, thank you for making me relive that, Chris. I really appreciate, I really appreciate that. That's, that's like the year the Yankees lost the three-game lead to the Red Sox, what you just did to me. I will never forgive you for making me tell that story. And um, I hope everybody's enjoying that, including you. Uh, but, but there will be repayment of that at some point in our, in our, in our, in our life together.
0: No doubt. Tom, one of the awards that's given to local PGA professionals each year is the Bill Strasbaugh Award, which is designed to recognize the PGA professionals who, by their day-to-day efforts, have distinguished themselves by mentoring their peers and being a service to their local community. You actually had a relationship with Bill Strasbaugh. Talk about him. Yeah, actually,
1: it's, it's, both, a, it's both a section award and, and then a national award. Um, and the first thing I'll tell you is it's a, it's an incredible award. It's a it's a very very prestigious award, and one of my dear friends, Jack Druga, has just won the national award, and it'll be presented to him in I believe November at Frisco, Texas, new headquarters. And I'm going to attend that presentation, that dinner. Um, so I'm and I'm so proud of Jack and so happy for him. But Bill Strasbaugh was um, a mentor to me a friend to me, uh, a father figure to me, and a man that I spent a tremendous amount of time with. He was uh, the only professional in the history of the PGA of America that's won all four of our national awards, the Horton Smith Award, the Professional of the Year, the National Teacher of the Year, and then was presented the very first Bill Strasbaugh Award, which was named after him. And you know these sporting organizations don't generally create awards, Chris, while you're still high, which you're dead to do something like this. So the fact that they named the award after Bill while he was still alive speaks volumes about who he was and what we all thought of him. Um, but Bill, um, Bill, mentored me in my teaching um, tremendously. He became very, very close. Um, he was a very unique individual. He had an incredible memory for events and happenings. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I was with him when, for example, the PGA show where somebody would walk up to him and say, "Bill, my name is." And he would interrupt him and say, Your name is Chris Mascaro, Chris, and you were in my business school two class in 1968 in Kansas City. I believe your wife's name is Beverly, and John and Jay are your two sons. How are they doing? They should be about college age right now. And the person would look at him like, What in the hell just happened there? And who is this guy? Is he from Mars? And I saw him do that, Chris. I saw him do that 100 times with people. Um, Just an incredible, incredible. I guess you call it photographic memory, um, for, for dates, events, and people and happenings. Um, he was a very special man. He was very special to me. He, uh, developed, developed a brain tumor and, um, eventually died of that tumor and a few weeks before he died. Um, I called his wife, Dottie. He had, they'd been, he had been taken back to his home and they knew it was terminal at that point. There wasn't much time left. I said, Dottie, I got to come. I got to come see Bill one more time. And, and Dottie said, well, Tom, he's not seeing anybody. He's not even seeing our own family right now. Um, I said, Dottie, please go ask him. I, I need to see him. You know, I need to come and see him one more time. She went in to see him and she came back to the phone. She goes, you know, he wants to see you. I said, I'm going to drive down tomorrow. So I drove from, uh, from New York down to Maryland where he lived. And uh, they had, had moved the hospital bed into the home and uh Bill had lost his ability to speak at that point, uh, but was still was still as sharp as a knife, other than not being able to speak. And I got in bed and held him and, and talked to him for uh close to two hours. And uh he'd squeezed my hand and, and as a recognition of what I was saying. And I left and he, he was dead in a couple of days. Um, but he was uh he was an incredible guy, um, meant the world to me. Jack, who won the award this year, is going to get presented to the award this year at our annual meeting. Uh, And I were both very close to him. As a matter of fact, when he retired from Columbia Country Club in Chevy Chase, Maryland, they started a a two-man pro-pro the year he retired to bring all his friends and admirers into playing his two-man pro-pro. And Jack and I won the first Bill strauss pro-pro that year at Columbia, uh, which was was really special to both of us. Um, And we miss him every day.
0: Let's switch gears to a happier note. Um, As you know, my next guest is Evan Schiller. You guys have been great friends for, for many, many years. When I've looked at Evan's college career, everything I've seen are his days at the University of Miami. But rumor has it, that might not have been the first college that he ever attended. What's the story behind that?
1: Evan is a very dear friend of mine. He was actually my first hire when I became director of instruction at Westchester Country Club. We traveled for a number of years together all over the world playing golf and all over this country playing golf and a hell of a player. But he had a he did have a, a little glitch in his college career. He originally went to school in New Orleans at a place called Tulane, the fabulous Green Wave. And um, and rumor has it that Evan had a little problem Um finding his way off Bourbon Street and into the classroom. So they, they excused Evan and asked him to um, pack his bags and go home. Um, so he went from one school of higher learning, uh, Tulane, to another school of higher learning, as we all know, the <laughs> University of Miami. Let's go from one party atmosphere to another. Let's go from, let's go from Bourbon Street to South Beach and, and hang out there. Um, but he's a good friend of mine. I love the guy to death. He, he's a real, I'm going to tell you what, one year playing, he, he forced, I, if people don't know what four spotting is, four spotting is a thing that's almost a thing of the past now, but we used to be able to play on Mondays um, to try to get into a tour event. It'd be about 160 guys, 150 guys, for four spots. So you can imagine how competitive that was. It's so hard to do. Well, he four spotted four times in the same year, in that same year qualified for the U.S. Open at Shinnecock and won a regional tournament called the Westchester open all in one year. So Evan Schiller, who was now one of the great golf photographers on the planet. Uh, and I, I, I don't say that in a prejudiced way at all. It's just a fact. He is, um, got a few of his works hanging in my office at home. And I, I look at him every day and love him. Um, was a hell of a player. Uh, one, one a really beautiful golf swing and a really talented, talented ball striker. Um, and whenever I can give him a little bit of shit, I love giving it to him.
0: <laughs> well, there also was an event, right, in Munich, Germany, when you guys were going through oh, oh European you, tour qualifying?
1: You, I shouldn't talk to you off the air too much. You remember <laughs> too much. We, um, My man, Evan Shilbo, and I flew into uh, London, England, uh, in a quick stopover for a couple of days on the way to European tour qualifying. Um first stage or second, I can't remember it was first stage or second stage. Anyway, the stage leading to the final, um, which was going to be in Valencia, Spain. And we hopped off the plane and we we're gonna grab a rent a car. I uh I was getting the bags out of a I guess a taxi probably at that point. I'm trying to remember how we did this. And he ran in to get the uh the rent a car. And he came back out after a couple of minutes and said, I said, did you get the car? He goes, Yeah, he goes, then we got a date tonight. Date tonight. He goes, Yeah. He goes, You and I have taken these two girls to work inside at the Hertz office out to dinner. I said, What are you talking about? I said, know we gotta practice tomorrow. You know, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Long story short, we we go out to dinner with these two young ladies, and we decide on the way back from Valencia, we're gonna uh take them on a little trip to Munich, Germany. Um Long story short, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, we played the first round and played pretty well at uh, a place called El Salar, which is hosted the Spanish Open. Really good golf course. And we're both in position to qualify. But we've played so well, we're going to have these late tee times. And we're not going to make the flight we need to make to get back to London to get these Chilean ladies to get on the flight to Munich. So he, we, we don't know what we're going to do because you know this, this has become more important than the qualifying for the European tour. <laughs> so, so he says, what are we going to do? I said, well, I'm going to – John Paramore, who just passed away, who was the lead official for the European tour, a wonderful guy, just passed away not very long ago. I said, I'm going to go talk to Paramore and tell him that there's something – there's a family illness at home and we've got to get out of here early tomorrow can we please go off first? We're going to try to convince the lead official for the European tour to put two of the leaders off early so we can make a flight back to America, which is totally bogus. (laughs) So I go speak to, I go speak to John Paramore and he puts us off first. Wow. Instead of last. And we race around the golf course way too quickly. And, and as, as Tom's luck would have it, Evan qualifies by a shot by shooting some kind of, crappy second round and just sneaks in and I'm misqualifying by a shot to go to the final. And now I get on the plane and I'm totally pissed off. We fly back to London. We're supposed to fly to, to Munich. We get in this fight with these two young ladies. We end up circling around because Munich is fogged in. We land somewhere else. They're going to put us up in a hotel. And of course we think we're going to do pretty well with these two young ladies. And they inform us that they're gonna stay in a room together, and we're gonna stay in a room together, and they're not gonna stay with us. Now I'm getting none of that either. And and I get in this room with Evan and I say, I am going to kill you now. And now I'm going to kill you. Because I just miss qualifying and and I'm coming up empty on this female situation. Thank you very much.
0: Wow. Brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah not not good. Not good. Tom didn't do well. <laughs> Um, Tom ne- never really did well in that situation. He made some bad decisions.
0: And also, was uh, another rumor, wasn't it your idea for him to do this whole photography thing? Is that, is that a true statement or is, or is that At, embellished?
1: Actually, you know, again, Evan might have a different spin on this whole thing. But when we first went to Westchester, uh, we, of course, hosted the Buick Classic. And Evan okay. Evan had a hobby wherever we went to play golf, he would take some pictures, and I thought he I thought he took some incredibly wonderful pictures, as we now now know he in fact did um, but he thought it was a hobby and and, and, he, and he'd take you know landscapes but he'd also take golf course pictures, you know different places we played and other places he played on different trips he made too and I said him the first year West I said, Ev, you know what? we should get a couple of these pictures blown up and framed really nicely and put them in the shop during the Buick." I think we can sell them. And I went to our director of golf, John Kennedy and said, John, do you mind if Evan does this? You know? And John said, no, not at all. He can do it. And whatever, whatever we sell them for the money is his. So I said, let's go down. Why don't you go down to Rye frame? We had a friend that owned a framing store, a framing shop in, in Rye, where Westchester is and get it, get four or five of these things framed up and we'll put them on easels in the shop. And he said to me, you know, what are we going to sell them for? So I'm going to put 375 on it. Cause you're out of your mind. It is, you know, you're crazy. Nobody, this is not, anyway, we picked out five pictures. They were fabulous. I thought he had them blown up. We had them framed. We put them in the shop. And the the Monday or Tuesday of the Buick Classic week, he goes out to do something, you know, one of the merchandise, He goes back in and he goes, where are the pictures? I said, they're all sold already. Go get more. And that started the whole thing. And I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for my percentage check 20 some, 30 years later. And you know what I got? Zippo nothing. Nothing.
0: Nada. No no commission I no got, nothing. I
1: got, I got nothing in Valencia, Spain. I got nothing in Munich, Germany. I got nothing. Wow. nothing. I got not. Not. And they, thank you University of Miami. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> I, I have to get Evans thoughts on on all of them. Oh
1: sure. Things. I'm sure I'm sure that I'm sure that the, the story will be very different. Very different. <laughs>
0: John, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, following you on your website and on social media as well.
1: Chris, all the regular places, you know, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, and thank you very much for mentioning the South Florida PGA Foundation and the 150 holes. It's near and dear to my heart. That's awesome. Those, those charities uh, so need everybody's support and help. And Maybe we can talk about a pre doing it next year and get some people uh, that listen to the show involved too. Um, but more importantly, Chris, thank you for everything you do. Every week is special that, that I get to come on with you and, and the guests are great. And 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 you do so much for this game uh, from from that seat you sit in there and we really appreciate it. And please give Mr. Schiller my very best. That son of a... I, I, I love him and tell him I'll see him this summer. I'm going to be up in his neck of the woods for two weeks in July.
0: We'll do that. TP, you're the best, my friend. I'm already looking forward to when we catch up in a couple of weeks. Stay safe. We'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Tom. That is the great Tom Patrick. Again, at TomPatrickGolf on Instagram. TomPatrick.com is his website. And be sure to subscribe to that YouTube channel. So much great content out there for you to, to go out and play your best golf this year. And they don't come better. Then that guy, we are so lucky that he is a part of this show every other week. I
1: just love him.